0: Everybody stand back. We have just crossed into the O-Zone. The O-Zone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the O-Zone.
1: We're talking sports. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. We are talking sports. We want to hear what you've got to say Coach Joe, a lot going on in the world of sports. So the Gators got two commitments today from four star players. They flipped both of them from Penn State. UF got quarterback Marcus Stokes from Nice High School. We ever had anybody from Nice High School that was
2: any good at Florida? (laughs) Let me think about that for a minute.
1: (laughs) Maybe number 15, uh, Tim Tebow.
2: He was pretty um, good.
1: Then we got flipped Treyon Webb, who is a legacy player at Florida. His father, D. Webb, played defensive back for the Gators, and um, he's a highly rated running back out of Jacksonville, and he also flipped to the Gators today.
2: Yeah, it's interesting how that works with recruiting and stuff because everybody was getting very worried in the last couple of weeks and uh, cooler heads like G. Allen Taylor last week said, you know, hey, we're going to get a good quarterback sometime in July. And he was dead on the money because it didn't take very long. We got a good quarterback there uh, by, by having Stokes flip from Penn State. And it's, you got to play the long game with recruiting. It's a it's a day-by-day consistency. It's not big, splashy this or big, splashy that or seasonal. It's constant, and it's putting the process and the resources to bear on a daily basis and that's what napier is trying to build and we're seeing a little bit of the fruit bear now at the moment you see other splashy things going by some schools especially with miami and what crystal has been doing but i think i think we've got somebody here playing a good long game and i think it's going to pay off for the gators as they build something piece by piece block by block It's it seems odd to be talking about building but things had fallen apart, and they they needed to be uh, sorted out and put together carefully, slowly, and and with a definite vision in mind, and and to build something that'll last. It's it's early, but that's where we're going. Mm
1: -hmm. No doubt about it. And as you say, you got to play the long game here. And, uh, you know, I myself was getting a little bit concerned that we weren't seeming to get the commitments that we needed to get. But, you know, I think that's like the third commitment in the last Ten days or so, they got a four-star defensive end out of Georgia, and um, I was listening to Pat Dooley and Zach Abelverde today out of Gainesville, and uh, Zach follows recruiting very closely, and he hinted that Florida may be getting a commitment from a highly rated receiver in the next couple of days as well.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to look a lot to look forward to, and and the I think you know right now the Gators have moved up in the rankings. And they're ahead of some of the schools that you worry about, like uh, FSU, like uh, Michigan, and like those. Now, Miami has has vaulted way up. They've had an incredible week. But so have the Gators. And maybe not quite as great as Miami's, but it's, it's coming along. And we're not only getting good players, we're getting the right fit for what we're trying to do here because that's as important as anything.
1: Well, it really is. And as you hinted, the roster was not where it needed to be to qualify for championships. It seemed like Dan Mullen, his ego kind of got in the way. He felt like, you know, I don't really like to do this recruiting stuff, and besides, I'm so smart, such a great strategist, I can beat your five stars with my three stars. And on occasions, he was able to compete strategically with teams that maybe had better talent. But you're not going to do that week in, week out.
2: The main competitors we have have, had figured out that the recruiting is its own competition, and we weren't putting forth the same sort of effort in that 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 we were in trying to develop a good team and win games, but it goes hand in hand now, and and it's it's an entire it's an entirety of the process because it's it's you got to get the facilities right, you've got to get the administration right, but most of all you have to have a proper recruiting team. It's not just something that the coaches do in their spare time anymore. You've got to have people out there working on it constantly and organizing it. And that's what made Georgia so good is, is Kirby Smart came in and he, he organized it. it. It became its own business, the business of recruiting. You know, In the past, we've relied on good recruiters and energetic guys like Muschamp, like Zook, like Urban Meyer. But that's not enough anymore. It's- no,
1: it's not. No, it's not. And I mean, you, you and I coach together in flag football and youth flag football, even out there. It's You can't X is an O. You can't beat superior talent very often. Every now and then you can come close, but until we had the the top talent and, and you know competitive talent, we weren't winning there. And it's no different at any level of football.
2: Yeah, you just figure out where you your talent is better than the other team's talent, and then you you try to get the matchups and 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 make those work, and then put the other team in a weak position where they're having to go up against your strength. If you can do that, and you win, and it's a lot easier to do that when you have more strengths exactly. <laughs> than they do. You, you know? got that right.
1: All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Lindy Davis, who writes Lindy's College Football Preview. And Lindy will be coming on. He can tell us about Florida, Florida State, Miami anybody in the country that you want to hear about. So give us a call, 682-1430. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
2: Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
0: Talk Radio 96.7. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. And right now, we're trying to get
1: Lindy Davis on with us. Lindy, of course, writes he's the publisher of Lindy Sports, America's leading football authority on college football. And Lindy is going to be on with us momentarily, we hope. And uh, through the genius of Alexander Graham Bell, we hope that we're going to have him on just a second from now. The Clarkster working laboriously back there, and he got him. Lindy, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
3: Coach
1: uh, Ronnie, thanks for having me on. Man, I I appreciate you coming on. We know this isn't your first rodeo, man. I tell you what, I didn't realize that you'd been around <laughs> this long. I mean, your picture looks like you're about twenty five years old and it that's, says this well, is the twenty fifth edition. That picture,
3: when that picture when that picture was done, I was twenty five. So you know, it's like the obituary pictures you see. Actually actually, uh this is our this is our 25th, I think you said, year with our national book. This is our 41st year to actually be publishing. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, well, we it's our 41st year to do an SCC book. And actually, very significant, it's my competitor, Athlon. They had done a, a Southeastern book for 55 years. They ceased that this year. they should not publish this year after 55 years. Wow. So, anyway, yeah, we're grateful to still be doing. We do a Big Ten in SCC recently. But those are only two reasons we do that. We used to do them all, but. Grateful to still be in doing those. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I've been doing it a
1: long time. I tell people I'm not as old as you think, 41. I started when I was eight. Well, Lindy, the uh, state of Florida has got a lot of teams looking up from the bottom right now, it seems like. And um Florida Gators are going to return 12 starters, five on offense, six on defense, sure. and the punter. Um, what do you see happening yep. with the Florida Gators with Billy Napier taking over? Well, Two,
3: two keys to the season for Florida, in my humble opinion. But and you could say this about a lot of teams. But Anthony Richardson is a, a talent of you know, just a an incredible physical freak. I mean, we all know he's 6'4", 240, can run like the wind. I mean, he looks like Cam Newton or K J Jeffersons, Arkansas. Can he be a great quarterback? We know he's got incredible physical too. Hadn't played that much to be honest, you know, and he's been kind of up and down when he did play, but the talent is just overwhelming. If he can harness that talent, make the good reads, throw the ball accurately, he's going to be an incredible dual threat quarterback. So his development and becoming a a big time quarterback is one thing. And the second thing is Gators got to stay healthy. They can put a first, a good first team out there this year, but they don't have the depth. I don't think anywhere. And Billy Napier alluded to that. They do not have the depth. Um, Pretty much throughout the roster, so they need to stay healthy again. Quarterback's are key for most teams, and but you got a, you got a, just a generational talent potentially. You know, it's something. You know, he a kid; they say he could be a first-round pick, but you don't know if he's going. You know, we just don't know. That's based on his pure physical ability at quarterback. So, just you know, how how far he can come in one year, and how healthy the Gators can stay. Billy Knackers proved himself as a good football coach. I'll tell y'all a huge story. Uh, y'all remember Tyler? My nephew called in last year. Yes. I think y'all, maybe y'all remember that. Yes. Well, Tyler married a big gator, okay? I mean, a big-time gator. Her dad is a big gator. So, Napier's speaking at the Lakeland Club. She uh, wants back, and so you know, they have the big wigs back to speak to the coach before he comes out to the crowd. So, Tyler's wife goes back and uh, uh, tells him that she married a Bama guy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Napier comes out, and in front of the whole throng, he says, I understand we have an Alabama guy in the crowd. Would you please stand up? So anyway, they gave, they gave Tyler a little grief, but it was all all good fun anyway. And that was in Lakeland? I, I was just, well, it may not have been Lakeland. It, Tyler lives in Lakeland, but it's somewhere. It was somewhere down there. He spoke. it
2: was a few months ago. You know, Lindy, Ronnie, Ronnie's be one like of those this. guys. Ronnie's one of those big wigs who gets to go back and talk to the coach when, when he's oh, in town. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> well, I don't know about I know that. It was. It, I was back there, be. though.
1: What What, what is uh, Tyler's wife's name?
2: Uh, Caroline.
1: Caroline. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. She yep. may have been back there. There was quite a few people back there. But anyway, oh, yeah. the well, schedule makers weren't real kind to the Gators. They start off with Utah and Kentucky back to back. And then they go to Tennessee, they get LSU at home. They go to Texas A&M for about the hundredth time it seems like, and then uh, they're also going to get Georgia. Um, I see eight and four, maybe seven and five for this team. What what are you seeing for the Gators?
3: Well, yeah. It's, listen, they just their roster is not that good right now. Let's be honest. Again, if 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 Anthony Richardson can have a big year and they he stay healthy. They could do better than that. A couple of injuries could wipe them out. Uh, so, no, you're right. Utah's a tough out uh, for sure. Utah, you know, top ten team uh, preseason, got a terrific football coach. Kentucky, we got them in the top 25, rank higher than they've ever been. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a very tough game, even though the Gators have owned them. But at Knoxville, uh, you know, LSU, we don't – LSU the most uh, – team hardest team in the country, in my opinion, to the handicapping. They've had such a turnover in personnel. But, of course, Georgia, at A&M. you're right, right down the list uh, until they get to the end of the year, you know, they get a break. But it's a tough schedule. But the key for the Gators staying healthy. The development of Anthony Richard, But, hey, if you're a Gator fan, you, you can't point to this year. Come on, you, you coach first year. Remember, Nick Saban went 7-6 his first year at Alabama. So, you know, uh, it takes time. you got to develop the roster. you got to bring in a talent.
2: And, uh,
3: but I think Billy and he's an outstanding coach. Uh, so what he could do at Louisiana, the two under Nick Saban, there's no reason he shouldn't have great success in Gainesville, but it's not going to all happen this year.
2: Uh, Lindy, would you say that the Gators have more or less talent than they did this time last year?
3: Well, I, I think probably less, but I'd have, that's a good question. Uh, they lost some transfers. Uh, I, I apologize. I, I hadn't studied it like They did lose some transfers, I believe, didn't they? I believe. Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: a, a number of them. And then some guys they just let they just let walk, or or told yeah, the transfer. They did. Bring, they did yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> they, did, they did. They did bring in an you know, outstanding offensive lineman, uh, Torrance from Louisiana, came with the coach, so that, that was a big addition. Uh, but that's a good question. I I I I would say less. That would be my humble. Opinion on the outside looking in, yeah. but uh, it's a good question. But I guess I just don't uh, I, think they have any doubt.
2: Yeah, I guess if, if Anthony Richardson turns out to be as good as uh, we hope he can be, uh, then that's actually a net gain, so a lot of that is dependent. You know, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, looking down at Miami, they found themselves a really good quarterback, and there's a lot of reasons for optimism there, especially on the offensive end of the ball. But I guess uh, we know they've got a good enough quarterback no to compete, but do they have a good enough defense?
3: They finished 75th last year in the nation in total defense, so uh, they're going to have to take a, some major steps forward. Obviously, Van Dyke came out of nowhere and had a great year through threw 25 TD passes. Uh, you know, Kevin Still, Kevin Still has coach, coached for half the teams in the country, but he's a very good defensive coordinator, I believe. He, FYI for uh, Hurricane fans, he was Nick Saban's first defensive coordinator at Alabama. It was his first hour. That's how much Saban thought of Kevin Still. um He's not a youngster, but he—he's—I uh, think he's a big upgrade. And of course, they brought in Josh Gaddis from Michigan. So, yeah, if they got—they can score points. We know that they're gonna have to play better defense. They got it 75th in the nation. That's bad. And so you got to get in the top 40 if you're gonna have, if you're gonna have a really competitive team. I mean, to on, on a national level. So uh, we'll see. But Mario Cristobal is a relentless recruiter. I mean, he sleeps, eats, and breathes recruiting, and he's very good at it. Who has oh, I absolutely believe
2: that. Go ahead, finish your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask you, who do you think uh, has go- the best defense in the Coastal Division?
3: Wow, that's a good
2: question. Let me. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you of, like Miami's I'm chances in the division. Like I just wondered, who do you think they're? Who right. Do you think they're going to have to deal with? Right. Right. Well, he's, you know. Yeah.
3: You know, Virginia's got oh, – they, they can score, but they got a defensive problem. Pittsburgh's similar. Yeah, the defenses is the whole – you're right. Who plays defense in the whole, whole division? I mean, looking all the way down the list, I mean, really, you know.
2: Yeah, you a lot of shootouts, are, right? You know,
3: yeah, you, you, I'm looking down the list, man. we got Virginia, the Pittsburgh, North Carolina. But I don't know who plays defense in that whole crowd. So, there'll be <laughs> yeah. a lot of exciting games.
2: Yeah, you so know, I, you know,
3: really, I hadn't given a lot of thought till you asked me. But the defense, if they play any defense, they could have the best defense in in the, in the coastal. I mean, really. So yeah. uh, we know North Carolina can't stop anybody.
2: So, <laughs> you know. That's that's true. I mean, there, that seemed to be the issue with Miami last year. They, uh, you, you can't. It got in a situation where they had to outscore teams, which is not a good long-term solution, I don't think. So, uh, and and no. I'm not seeing a ton of improvement on the defense, which is, which is why I'm still not sold on Miami's upside uh, this year. But looking at what oh, yeah. at what the Mario Cristobal effect, um, do you think that uh, that that they can in this ever-changing world of college football? Do you think there's there's the opportunity for Miami to return to elite status?
3: I, I do. I do. I think he's that good a recruiter. I, I don't know that Mario Cristobal is an elite coach. I think he's a pretty good coach. But there's so much talent in South Florida. And as I said, Mario Cristobal, he coached at Alabama. As you know, guys know, coached in South Florida. They went, came to got fire, coached at Alabama. He was considered just a fan which is my neck of the word. I live in Birmingham. I think you guys know. incredible recruiter. He went out to Oregon and raised their recruiting level. He is a relentless recruiter. So yes, I believe they'll be I believe they'll be in the top ten recruiting every year with Mario Cristobal there. Now, again, is he an elite coach? I don't know that. I don't think he's proven he's an elite coach. I think he's he's a lot better than what Miami had, I'd tell you that for sure.
2: <laughs> so he's an upgrade. That's a good that's true, right? <laughs> Well,
3: I mean, I you know, I I said that time that guy got the job, you know, and be honest. But anyway, Chris is a great recruiter. I think he's a pretty good. He's a good coach. I don't know that he's, I don't know that he, he's good enough to win a national title, but but he may. But he, look, he's the best they've had in a long time, and Kane fans have a right to be op, very optimistic.
1: No doubt about it. Well, let's go up to Tallahassee, Florida, and talk a little bit about Florida State. Mike Norvell is 8-13 and 13 sure. after two years. They went 5-7 and seven last year, which was an upgrade over the 3-6 and six before. But they lost to Jacksonville State last year. When they lost to Notre Dame, that yep. seemed to just deflate them. They lost in overtime in a game that they looked like they were going to be able to win. What do you see for Florida State this year?
3: Well, you know, Norvell came in highly regarded. I, I felt like he was a football coach. As you said, I believe they got 15 starters back. They were 94th in the nation in passing last year. You're not going to, in this day and age, you're not going to win a lot of, you're not going to compete for championships being 94th in, in the nation in passing, you know. So you're you, going to have to upgrade that. The quarterback, Travis, he came on uh, as the season progressed. Maybe he's the guy. I believe they got three or four receivers in the portal, which may hopefully should upgrade that offense. You know, they got a key early game against LSU, I believe, September 4th in New Orleans. So that should be that'll be a good measuring stick. I say that. I don't know how good LSU is, but it'd be a big game for both those teams. You see, you might might uh, pretend how the season portend how the season will go. But uh obviously the natives are getting a little restless. I mean it's his third year you need to show improvement in the third year. Again he came in with COVID and you know, that kinda set a lot of people back, you know, maybe an excuse. But uh it's third year you need to start showing some progress, that's for sure. Uh but uh gotta throw the football better.
2: Uh, Lindy, you, uh, our guest tonight, Lindy Davis of Lindy sports with her great college football preview. You know, Lindy's been around long enough to remember a pack eight, a big, a big eight. And when the big 10 actually only had 10 teams, <laughs> but, uh, it may
3: be the pack Eight it may be the package.
2: Right? <laughs> it's going to be that again. What's old is new again. Right. <laughs> but yep. there, uh, there's the only team that you like from out West is Utah, uh, yeah, uh, USC, of course, has a, a, the new coach, Lincoln Riley. UCLA with another year of Chip Kelly. They're getting ready to move into the Big Ten. Uh, besides Utah, is there anybody from out west that uh, that can make any sort of a dent on the national scene this year?
3: I think USC would be the only chance. I mean, he's got so many recruits. He's got so many transfers in. Lincoln Riley's an outstanding offensive coach. We know that. And he's got a lot of, you know, a lot of transfers, you know, they use the uh, the, uh, portal very effectively. And also the, you know, the fact that the players can get money now, it kind of helped them too from all reports. So anyway, you know, it, it, USC always recruit. I mean, they had one awful year. Uh, I remember when Helton was pretty much everybody's all gone. They had one disastrous year out recruiting, which set them back. But overall, outside of that one year, they recruited decently. So. There's some talent on the roster, is what I'm saying, and they'll, they'll score a lot of points. I don't think stop anybody either, but I think USC would be the dark horse out there.
2: Okay. Well, Lind, uh, Lindy, we really appreciate you joining us tonight and, and getting a chance to talk college football. It's time to start thinking about it. It's coming along now, only about eight weeks away. Where can we get a copy of the Lindy Sports College Football National 2022
3: preview? Sure. Should be able to get it at any publics, uh, for sure, Walmart, Probably, maybe. Uh, Barnes & Noble, if you have any books of millions, they're still around. Uh, Eckert, excuse me, Eckert's been gone about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wal, Wal,
3: not going to get it, at Eckert's anymore. <laughs> Walgreens, <laughs> CBS, pretty much everywhere magazines are sold. Right? Sure. If they can't find it, they go to our website. Eckert's sports. just gone the way of the Pac-12, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, they can go to our website, lindysports.com, and order it if they weren't able to find it.
2: Lindy Davis. Lindy, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you on, and uh, we we wish you well, uh, and we wish you good luck rooting for Alabama this year. Not too much good luck, though. (laughs) Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to you again really soon, because we love having you on the show. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks for having me on. Take care.
2: (laughs) The great Lindy Davis, talking about his Lindy Sports College Football Preview uh, 2022 Go out and get it right now, folks, because it's awesome. And then join us after Keep Commando and the Fox Business Brief. We'll be back in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
0: Hey, let's get back into more of the Ozone. at sports with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back
1: in the Ozone and, uh, you know, I heard an interesting perspective today. And uh, Pat Dooley does these lists, the former Gainesville Sun sports editor. And uh, one of his lists today was the 12 games I'd like a do over in that pertain to the Gators. But if you had. <laughs> Just have, 12? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah <laughs> exactly. 12, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you had a do over list. Whatever your team is, give us a call, 682-1430. Is there a game you would like to make one play different, one at bat, one pitch, whatever? You know, I go back to the 1988 World Series, and if Kurt Gibson doesn't hit that home run, the A's were so much better than the Dodgers, but that just gave the Dodgers so much momentum. People forget that was his only at bat in the whole series, and If you watch that, you're like, that guy, there is no way he's even going to lay a bat on a pitch from Dennis Eckersley. And the swing he took, I still can't believe that produced a home run and not a cheap one. I mean, it looked like it went eight or ten rows deep in the stands, but it looked like he only took like half a swing. Now, Kirk Gibson was a big, strong guy, and I'm sure that that played into it, but
2: well, the pitch was off the plate and and sliding away from him as yeah. he's a left-handed hitter. And he somehow reached out, got the bat on it, and pulled it into yeah. right-center field well into the stance yeah. for a home run it, with, with no legs, basically, because were, he was so badly hurt. That, that was an incredible play by him because it wasn't like it was a fat pitch to, to easily hit. No,
1: it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I, I remember hearing him talk about it. He said—the the scouting report said he's going to throw you the backdoor slider— if he gets ahead in the count. And he said, Padna, if you throw me that backdoor slider, I'm ready for it. And that's what he threw. <laughs> yeah. and, and he hits it out. And I think it was the amalgamation of things that came together there. You know, the A's were so confident. As well, they should have been. And they've got Eckersley, who was the best closer in baseball that year. And, I mean, the game's over. You just know it is. Already walks Mike Davis and you think, oh, so what? You know, there's just no way, and Gibson comes limping up to the plate <laughs> and looks so bad on the previous pitches.
2: Well, it's interesting because in a short series, or in a series like the World Series, you've got a situation where the Dodgers, they had the hot pitcher in Oral Hershiser, yes. And so a game like Game 1, where if the A's put it away, it can make all the difference because Hershiser can only do so much as right. a pitcher. But by winning that game, it suddenly put him at a big advantage. And Hershiser
1: went in the next game, I think. Yeah, and
2: it? then he pitched again later, and he even came in in relief. I mean, he had he had one of the great uh, World Series of all times. But if they lose Game 1, he's not in the position where he can carry the team the way he, that he did. And so it made a big difference. Sometimes they call that a swing game, even if it's a Game 1. Usually it's a Game 5 or something along those lines. Or, you know, another Game 1 example for Orlando Magic fans when uh, they were in the Finals in 1995, and they were uh, ready to win game one against Houston they had the three-point lead and Nick Anderson not once not twice but four times was was on the line where just make a free throw and Houston won't be able to win that game he misses them all Houston ties the game wins in overtime goes on to sweep the series it's very similar situation I'm sure Orlando Magic fans want that back I just have three words though for what I want back sea of hands (laughs) <laughs> well how about <laughs> ronnie knows what
1: that is and it, if you don't i'll yeah. explain it in a minute <laughs> how about yukon back against the gators in 1994 Danielle marshall goes to the line he's oh, got yeah. a chance to close out the gators and he bricks both free throws yeah. and yeah. the gators end up beating them yeah it, we
2: don't want to do over on that one is that worked in our favor <laughs> exactly yeah exactly well,
1: now with your dolphins yes yeah, um, sea
2: of hands yeah 1974 playoffs two straight super bowl titles dolphins were trying to win three in a row and they were at Oakland uh, with the lead in the uh, final minute of the game. Uh, Kenny Stabler was leading the Raiders down the field, but then he threw a very ill-advised pass as he was being sacked around the 10-yard line. And it just floated into the end zone where there were three or four Dolphins and one lone Raider, and somehow... They call it the Sea of Hands because somehow all those Dolphins reached for the ball and it ended and he ended up catching it. Clarence <laughs> Davis, Clarence number twenty-eight. Davis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember and, that. And that, and that uh, obviously if the Dolphins make that play, get that interception, you know, then they then they uh win the game and maybe they do get that third Super Bowl because uh, you know it wasn't like they, they were still a really good team back yeah. then. Uh, yeah, I
1: mean <laughs> and, and you described the pass real well. It wasn't a bullet. It was more like a marshmallow. I mean, it, it almost looked like a kickoff. It almost went. It didn't go end over end, but it wasn't far from doing that. I mean, it just he was getting hit, like you said, and somehow Clarence Davis ends up with the pass, and they beat the Dolphins. But uh, that, that was amazing. You, you know, one of the one of the things that um, another one, if you want, if you're a Gator fan, is the thrown shoe against LSU oh. when Marco Wilson throws the shoe. You know. That that gets the Gators beaten. I'm not sure that that didn't start the downfall of um, Dan Mullen.
2: That is one of the worst moments in Gator history, and it yeah. had um, unbelievable implications. If he doesn't throw that shoe, and the Gators get the ball back, and they had been moving the ball up and down the field the whole second half, and they they win that game, you know they they came so close against Alabama. The Gators were. You know, those last couple of years until last year, the Gators were among the top teams in the country. It wasn't like uh, wasn't uh, you know with Kyle Trask at quarterback, uh, which shows you when you have a good enough quarterback, just how good the Gators can be. uh, That losing that game in that fashion was was unforgivable. But you know what, Ronnie? I think it might have been a symptom as much as a cause because they were just an undisciplined team, and at the key moment, it caught up to them. And then
1: the next week, they named Marco Wilson captain. He's, he's not punished in any way. I mean, you know, I'm sure he was sorry he did it after he did it, but it was a stupid play. There's no way you need to do that. You know, I mean, there, there was no reason to do it. The it, play it really was, was over.
2: Yeah, it, it was. And that, it was the way that that whole defense played that whole season in an undisciplined manner. I don't know if, if punishing him would have helped at that point. It goes back farther and deeper to yeah. to the way that the football team, the whole program was being run. Priorities were a little bit out of whack, and it it you mentioned it earlier about the way that uh, the process that Mullen used. Just get players, we'll out coach them. We're just going to be better because I'm that good. And yeah. you, when a coach thinks that way, the players tend to think that way, and and they you, you want hungry, humble players. You don't want entitled. Undisciplined players, and that starts at the top, and it's and it goes just into the whole attitude uh, of how you go from not just during the games, but preceding the games in the preseason, in the spring, in the recruiting, and, and we needed a fresh new process, and, and that's a symptom. And but but boy, oh man, what a, what a moment that was! That might be number one. Right. It's certainly
1: <laughs> one of them. But when you go way back, or you go back to the nineteen sixty-two World Series. When the Giants are playing the Yankees, and Willie McCovey just drills the baseball, but he hits it right at Bobby Richardson, oh yeah, and it ended the World Series. the Yankees win, but if if that ball gets through, then you probably have a different result. nineteen sixty you know Bill Mazeroski, Yeah. <laughs> the, the Yankees outscored the Pirates some I forget what the number was it was something like sixty to 15 or something like that. But the Pirates won close games, and it still counts the same. Mm -hmm. If you win 15 to nothing, that's just one game. And the Yankees let them hang around, hang around, and Mazeroski got that pitch off Ralph Terry. And I'll never forget Yogi Berra playing left field. You know, there were no cheap home runs in Forbes Field. It was so deep in center field, they left the batting cage, parked there during games. That, that's how deep it was in center field. And Mazeroski just drilled that baseball out of there in left field and won the World Series for the Pirates, and they hadn't won in something like 25 years.
2: Well, I, I haven't seen the list uh, that Pat Dooley came up with, but I imagine number one, and I mentioned the, the shoe. It, it's it's up there, but I don't think that's number one. Number one, obviously, is going to be Lindsey Scott. Yes, <laughs> Yes. How different would Charlie Pell's legacy have been if they win that game? Yeah, you're exactly right. Wow. what a, And, of course, Gator. if you're a younger Gator fan or if you're not a Gator fan, Lindsey Scott was the big play in 1980 when the Gators had Georgia beaten. The undefeated Georgia Bulldogs were beaten with Herschel Walker. We had them on third and long from their own seven-yard line. Buck Blue scrambles around and finds Lindsey Scott over the middle which was enough for a first down but he, he turns it into a touchdown. And he almost got sacked for a safety. Yeah, almost. He, he, ba- he barely kept his balance. He finds Lindsey Scott about 20 yards downfield and Lindsey Scott manages Tim a couple Groves Gators run into down. each other, yeah. fall down and he ends up with a touchdown and they pull that game out, win the national title. The Gators become perennial underachievers under Charlie Pell even though that but he did he did develop a great talent base but uh in the big game something would always go wrong and it started there
1: lakeland's very own wayne peace had brought him back i was sitting in the stands and wayne had brought him back it was a minute and three seconds on the clock we were leading 21 20 and georgia you talk about being lucky man they had a lot of luck that year if you remember they were playing at clemson they led Clemson 14-7 to with minus two yards of offense. Herschel Walker in his career never scored a touchdown against Clemson. And they had... And Clemson
2: was very good back then. You know, they they actually, were. They won a title in the following year.
1: They were. And they had a punt return. Scott Warner, I think, had a punt return for a touchdown and had an interception return for a touchdown, but minus two yards of offense, and yet they led 14-7 <laughs> at the half. And then... They When they played Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl, so for some reason, they kicked the ball off, and both Notre Dame return men run up and let the ball hit, and Georgia recovers what was not an intended onside kick, but they end up getting a short drive for a touchdown. They beat Notre Dame. They won the national championship. Well, We've only got about a minute left, so let's go ahead and take a break, and we come back. We'll be talking more sports and we want to talk to you 682-1430. That's 682-1430. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7
0: WLKF.
1: Hi, this is former NFL player and former gator Trace Armstrong. On with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
0: You got it. Coach Joe and Ronnie O. In the O Zone. Oh we oh we The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, you can't fool us. Ronnie O and Coach Joe, we
1: know right now, you're sitting there, your dialing fingers are ready, you're hungry, you're thirsty, and we are curing hunger one person at a time here in the Ozone. The number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you haven't won in the last six months... We have a sports quiz question for you, and you just have to call in and tell us, and you'll get a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. We lost James Kahn today. James Kahn was 82 years old, one of the great actors. Of course, you remember him in The Godfather. He was in a lot of other movies. But one of the sports movies that he was in was Brian's Song. Now, what we want to know is, who did he play in Brian's Song? Was it A, Gail Sayers, B, Dick Butkus, or C, Brian Piccolo, 682-1430. That's 682-1430, and you could have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Alehouse. Coach Joe and I were trying to think of something. Jimmer Ferret. Or, Jimmer. Or, Jimmer Ferret. Yeah. Jim, yeah. <laughs> From BYU. Right, trying, yeah. BYU Jimmer. basketball yeah. player that, that beat the Gators and really tore us up in one of those games. Give us a call at 682-1430, and we could send you out with that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. Coach Joe, back in 1912, when I was a sophomore in high school, <laughs> on this date, Jim Thorpe wins four of five events to win the pentathlon gold medal at the Stockholm Olympics. His medal was stripped in 1913 because they found out he had played semi-pro baseball. He was just you know off an Indian reservation, and he wasn't wise to the ways of the world, Another guy played in that league and didn't lose his amateur status. His name was Dwight Eisenhower, but he played under an assumed name. Jim Thorpe died in 1953 at the age of 69. He played Major League Baseball in the NFL, and he was the 50th anniversary all-decade team, two-time All-American when he played in college. And uh, he won the gold also in the decathlon that year, and I think we got somebody that might be hungry and thirsty so, uh, I think the Clarkster is talking to him, trying to talk him out of his thirty-dollar gift certificate.
2: Making sure, making sure that uh, he's a legit caller, obviously. <laughs> you know, making sure that Eric gets his cut. You know, he, he's uh, looking for a little, uh, little tip, little gratuity. <laughs> Chris, how are you tonight?
0: No, doing good.
2: Chris, you <laughs> took care of Eric. I see. You got through. <laughs> you hungry and thirsty? Oh man, we
1: can we can go right now. All right, there you go. What character did James Conn play in Brian's Song? Was it Gail Sayers, Dick was, Butkus, or Brian Piccolo? I believe it was Brian Piccolo. I believe you're right. You're exactly right. If you, you know, there's two versions of that movie. I liked the original.
2: The original that, that had all the way, James yeah.
1: Conn, Billy D. Williams in it. The other one wasn't bad, but I just thought that was better. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, back in the day, it's been a while. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> long time ago. Well, you know, I grew, I grew up uh, around that time, and uh, you know, I was a big James Caan fan because of that movie, and also another great sports movie. I consider it a sports movie, Rollerball, the original Rollerball. <laughs> you know, uh, which is an awesome futuristic sports movie. So uh, I don't know if you if you remember that one. That one isn't as famous as Brian's song from sports movies. So we decided not to not to ask about Rollerball because a lot of people don't remember that one. But uh, that that was amazing. I, Jonathan I'm E. Not sure if
1: that's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there were any Academy Awards won out of either one of those, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think the original one was a television movie, wasn't it? Yes, it was. The original was.
2: Brian song? Yeah, on the ABC network in 1971. Like you said, a young Billy D. Williams. Shelley Fabre's was in it, too. Really, really good cast. And they all went on to uh, great things. Uh, and it was a tremendous movie. You know who else was in that movie, by the way, guys? It uh, was Abe Gibran. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, he played himself in the movie. And uh, Abe Gibran uh, coached with Chicago for a while, and, and with the Bucks, I think, too, for a bit. And yeah, he did. He, he was a very large guy with a real real charisma, and he, he played himself in a great scene where uh, they're getting worried about James Khan as Brian Piccolo losing weight. And uh, he, he did a good job, good, good uh, real-world acting. I think Butkus was actually in the movie as well, but he didn't have a very big role. No. He it, went on to act in other stuff, though.
1: Shelly Fabre. Now, you won't remember this because it was something <laughs> from
2: my era, but she played Mary
1: Stone on the sitcom Donna Reed Show, and she also had um, some hit songs. She was a good singer, and um, she um, she was pretty famous well, back well, in the well, day.
2: Well, not, not just back then, Ronnie. Of course, she was in that great sports TV show, Coach, one of the really great sports shows on that. TV. Yeah, she, she was... Hayden's girlfriend, you know, Hayden played by Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, Shelley Fabre was uh, Fabre was the uh, was the girlfriend uh, uh, Christine, I think uh, was her name, and uh, eventually his wife on the show. They also had Jerry Van Dyke. That was, hey, by the way, I don't know if you know that show, Chris, but any of our other listeners out there, you should find that on reruns. Coach was really well done back about sometime in the nineties, I think, is when it came on. Yeah, but the Minnesota State football team that he coached. And, <laughs> and he later became coach of the Orlando Breakers and the, I don't know, an expanded NFL team or something like that. <laughs> they used to film exterior shots at the Tangerine Bowl. Chris, you ever <laughs> been out to the alehouse? Oh, it's it's been
1: a while, but I remember it was pretty good. Pretty good food. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, their hamburgers are as good as there are in Lakeland and, um, Coach Joe likes the wings, don't you?
2: Oh, I do. Yeah, and I had a steak there last week. Yeah, uh, you know uh, Independence Day. I went. I went o- over there on Sunday, and uh, uh, we, they take good care of you there because they have the forty TVs, and they're, they always make sure that you have on what you like. And they take really good. They're very attentive there. Uh, we got a great guy who takes care of us, Dax. He works really hard, and, he, and they got a great manager over there. <coughs> excuse me, and he he does a great job too. So uh, we're just. Uh, it, it's a it's a terrific place, uh, and you should you should you go and and make sure to mention us. Uh, of course, when you, you need to do that to get your thirty dollars, but yeah, and uh, don't
1: take Eric with you; you won't get anything to eat.
0: Hey,
2: um,
1: Chris, I know he was angling
2: uh, for you there when you called, but.
1: <laughs> Chris. If you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information, and um, we will go ahead and send you out there we'll send it out tonight you can go as early as tomorrow and you'll have 30 days to go out there and claim your prize congratulations
2: oh man
0: thank
2: you all right ronnie real quick oh, before, guys. thanks chris congratulations uh real quick before we go also want to note the death of marlon briscoe last week uh, yeah i'll talk more about him next week because uh, he was a special player for me growing up
1: yeah he really was all right ronnie on coach joe it seems like these shows go so fast we Next week, we're going to try and get with us Phil Steele. We're working on that. Hopefully, we'll be able to pull that off. Phil has been on with us just about every year. and Man, he is really, really good. So, next week.